You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio with just a little bit of politics. Listen along as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sills. Pleasure to have everyone back June 2013 and then episode 36. It's field to the table with Hunt Catch Cooks, Jason Spencer. Had an awesome time chatting with Jason about uh, hunting, cooking, shooting, fishing, you name it. Jason loves it all. He's a good cook too. If you jump on, if you jump on his Facebook page, you can see all the different game that he cooks from uh, fish to he even actually cooks horse and eats it. Uh, all the power to him. I'm not sure I'd be interested in that, but hey, if I if I ever meet up with Jace one day, I certainly might actually ask him to cook me up some horse and and uh, give me one of his best recipes in regards to horse. But uh, he loves everything from hunting, fishing, shooting. He loves it all, and he gives us some great recipes on the show and how to prepare your food from basically from the field to the table. So uh, Jason's great. So check out his uh, Facebook page, Hunt Catch Cook. But before we get into my interview, I just got back from a deer hunt down south and um, had an absolutely great time. Went with a friend. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get any deer, but you know what? The whole trip, I think, was a success because throughout the whole time, we saw about 15 deer. And unfortunately, we couldn't even get close to them because, you know, it was a bit thick cover. They heard us sort of coming. It's hard to try and stalk sometimes. And, you know, but you know what? There was one good time I was, uh, I was actually walking through this gully. And my friend was behind me. We came up through the little sort of, maybe it was a little creek, but there was no water. And we come out the other side, passed around this mulberry bush. And I thought I heard, you know, it was like a deer sort of croak or a sound. And I thought, yeah, maybe not. Anyway, so I walked up the game trail. And then there was like a game trail on my right, which I didn't know until afterwards, but that intersected my game trail. Anyway, I looked over my right shoulder. And in this uh, particular area, there's a lot of brumbies. And uh, I thought it was a brumby. I looked over my right shoulder and then, I thought, oh, geez, that's not a Brumby. It's got a big rack on it, and my heart just literally started racing. It wouldn't even be more than about 15 metres away. And uh, I was trying to keep my hand beside my leg, shaking it so my friend would stop because I was dead still. Unfortunately, he actually stepped on a twig or a, or a leaf, and the deer just darted its head to the left, looked, and I was dead still because I was, I was still on my side. I couldn't sort of turn around because it would have heard me, and it was so close. And uh, then it put its head back down and trotted a few more steps forward, you know, while grazing. And then I went to turn around and my mate must have stepped on a leaf again. It, it, it darted its head left and was moving its head left and right, trying to make me out. And then it just ran. It must have got spooked and or it winded me and ran off. Uh, and there was a shot that did present itself after it ran about 80 metres through the bush. Uh, but unfortunately, it was a bit of an ass shot, and uh, you know I didn't think that was an ethical shot to take. So I, I let the little bugger, well, he wasn't so little, I let the big buck fight another day, and it would have been a fantastic trophy for my first ever deer. But going to go back in two weeks and hopefully uh, uh, try at it again and try and lay one down on the turf this time. So it was a great time, but very cold, But and it's probably going to be colder again in two weeks, but hey, it's all fun. Uh, game Council are now going to be managing game bird licences in New South Wales, so... Uh, you can go on the website, now the Game Council website, and now fill out your licences for 2013-2014. Uh, they're going to be managing the whole lot. And the good part about this is decoys, callers, and dogs are now going to be able to use on these fields. It's going to be placed as a condition on the licence for the property owner. So if you're talking to your property owners, please tell them when they're applying for their licence, which I think will be through the Game Council for property owners to make sure they get decoys and callers because previously decoys and callers 
uh, were not be able to be used because uh, the anti-duck hunters used to say, well, aren't you supposed to be scaring them away? Why would you want to bring them in? But sometimes when you're on a rice field, it can be you know, anywhere from one, two, three hundred acres in one area. And just because ducks aren't in your area, they could be you know, uh, 300 metres away in another area. So you know, certainly you want to bring them in, scare them away or put them, put them down to take them for food. So check them out online you can go to the game council website check out that's so it's pretty exciting i'm going to film mine out on monday and send it in so good stuff that the game council are now managing game bird licenses excellent stuff uh, national park hunting should be here very soon also uh, our little friends over at the uh, national parks association have had all their rallies in new south wales trying to rally around premier barry o'farrell to stop national parks but i will give barry o'farrell some credit he has stuck solid and uh, anytime anything happens with firearms, the National Park Association seem to say, well, you know, like what happened in Orange uh, about a couple of days ago where someone apparently uh, had shot the, at, the, at the feet of a farmer and uh, you know, now police are in pursuit of these particular people because they caught them illegally hunting. Well, difference between poachers and illegal hunters than people doing conservation work in national parks. So, but yeah, it doesn't stop these Andes, you know, making a big kerfuss about it. So, but, but you might be listening to this podcast. The shot shows on this weekend, 25th, 26th of May. I'm recording this podcast on the 26th of May. So by next week, hope you've all had a good time. Just logged on today on Facebook and saw the photos. Looks like everyone's had a great time. Might even be a record for crowd attendances. So I hope you've all had a great time down there at the uh, SHOT Show in Melbourne. Could wish I could have been there, but unfortunately I couldn't. But I hope you've all had a good time. Uh, next month on the show... Coming up, actually, probably the second, actually, two months' time, I've got, uh, at the recommendation of Shooters Party founder John Tingle, I've got a lawyer coming onto the show to answer questions about New South Wales firearms law. Uh, we're pretty much going to go through everything. Thank you to all the people that uh, added Facebook questions, uh, added questions on Twitter for me to add and wanted me to ask. I've got about 30 questions, so I'm sure I'm sure this person's going to be swamped when they come on the show. Apparently, this person, I'm not going to say who it is yet, but apparently he's got an excellent record, and uh, he's going he's gonna to come on and, and just blow your minds in regards to firearms laws. We're going to go through a few cases, hopefully, as well, not ones that he's dealing with. Obviously, no names are going to be used, but we're gonna t- you know, he's going to tell us where, you know, what sort of the general things, you know, police are nabbing firearms owners on, safe storage, police inspection, we're going to talk about it all, so I hope you enjoy that. Now, uh, what else do we have? You can check the website at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Uh, that's where you can go to check out everything to do with the podcast, check out about, check everything, check what we're about, and uh, listen to our latest episodes. Facebook, Australian Hunting Podcast. We think we're getting up to close to about 2,000 likes on Facebook now, so thanks to everyone. And you can follow our Twitter feed at AH Podcast, so thanks for that. If you want to email me for any reason, get guests on the show, critique the show, offer some you know, words of wisdom or, or a thanks or anything in particular, email me at australianhuntingpodcast.com. Sorry, sorry, at gmail.com, Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you jump on iTunes and you're on it right now, rate me five stars and please leave a comment. That certainly helps in getting us up the top there. And we are in the top 50 in the outdoor section category. Uh, so that's just fantastic. I thank everyone that's contributed to the show. Stitcher.com, if you download the app for iTunes or the Android, uh, you can listen to, as long as you've got a Wi-Fi connection or internet, you can listen to us anywhere in the world. So if you want to download that, please do. AussieFeralControl.com.au, my business website. But mainly importantly things, if you know anyone that hunts and shoot, send them over a link to the Australian Hunting Podcast and share it with your friends and family. That's always important. Uh, I'd like to do a shout-out for one of our sponsors of the show, 
Australian Hunters International. You can visit them at ozhuntersinternational.org.au. If you're a new person or you're an experienced person, you want to join a club of like-minded people that enjoy hunting and shooting and fishing, please visit them. They'll be able to help you on your way to getting licenses. Uh, they're a good bunch of blokes, and I've met them on several occasions. And uh, people that run Australian Hunters International, top blokes. So please jump on their website, australianhuntersinternational.org. Uh, .au give you a bit of a hand on getting your license great guys uh, Naruma Huntfest at huntfest.com.au coming up in Naruma uh, hopefully to see you guys all down there have a chat with you that's coming up soon so check them out at huntfest.com.au and if you go to the Australian Hunting Podcast.com.au uh, on the right hand side in the widget bar you can actually donate through PayPal uh, all donations really help guys I really appreciate the time and effort it takes to get these podcasts out and thanks to everyone that actually gives uh, donations uh, to the show always really appreciated thank you very very much I appreciate all the listeners that listen to my show uh, we're getting a thousand Thousands of listeners per week. Uh, what, what, I'm not even sure how long we've been going now. It's got to be at least two and a half years, maybe two, two and a half years now. And absolutely fantastic. I appreciate everyone that's come on my show. And uh, just recently, too, to go on a bit of a sour note. Uh, I think it was one of my episodes. I can't remember which one. It might have been 15. And uh, this person in particular, Mr. Tom Knapp. And if you don't know who Tom Knapp is, K-N-A-P-P, check him out. Uh, on YouTube. He is the shooting sensation out of the United States. He was previously with Benelli, then he moved over to CZUSA. And uh, he's a trick shooter, I and mean, he shoots clays with semi-automatic shotguns. He travels around as an exhibition shooter. And honestly, Tom Knapp has one of those voices that you just love in shooting. If you Once you hear his voice, you know exactly who he is. Once you see him on YouTube, you know exactly who it is. Uh, the sour part of this, unfortunately, uh, Tom has passed on. Uh, he leaves his wife, Colleen, uh, and I'm just, it was quite of a sad thing when I, I was actually considering at one stage towards you know, the, the episode 50 of getting Tom back on the show. Uh, I unfortunately missed out on a dove hunt in Argentina with Tom uh, later last year, and uh, I guess it's just really, you know, really sad, really, because Tom was a really nice guy, and uh, I'm glad... I was able to get him on my show before he passed away. So all the condolences to Tom and his family. Such a sad loss and uh, such a sad loss to the uh, hunting, shooting and fishing community. He really was a nice guy. So rest in peace, Tom. It was actually great having a chat to you. And I was great that I was able to, and you were able to share your knowledge with my listeners here in Australia. We sadly miss, sir. So uh, unfortunately, that was a sour note, but let's get on to something good, hey? Let's rock this show. Without further ado, let's get into my interview from field to table with Hunt Catch Cooks, Jason Spencer. Hi, I'm Jason Spencer from Hunt Catch Cook. We're here to talk about game cooking and how to do it right. You're listening to Australian Hunting Podcast. Jason Spencer, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Pleasure having you on the show to talk to us about game cooking today. G'day, Jase. How are you? Yeah, fantastic, mate. No, fantastic. So, mate, I guess for the listeners who don't know who you are, tell us about yourself, how you got into hunting and shooting and fishing, mate. Yeah, well, um, well, it happened for a young age, I suppose. Um, look, I'm, um, I've got a, a web page and a, and a Facebook page at the moment, Hunt, Catch, Cook, um, and I pretty much specialise in, in game and game meats, um, you know, you hunt it, you catch it, and you cook it. Um, 
basically showing people how to uh, how to utilise the the things that they kill, how to utilise the game that they catch, the fish that they catch, um, and it all started from a young age. You know, I I uh, right from watching Dad um, butcher his own cows out on the farm. You know, um, right to I suppose in in, a, in the teens uh, with ferrets and playing around at school with ferrets. You know, I, I went to a boarding college, so I had um, you know ferrets down at school, and and then on the weekends you'd go to mates' houses and uh, you'd go shooting with a few mates, and on the weekend and you know shoot some stuff, and the the passion just grew from there. You know, even in my late teens, I got my own 22, and uh, which was a Winchester semi-auto at that time, and. Um, you know, every every weekend, every every bit of time that I could, like all kids, you know, all young blokes, you were just out having fun, catching food and cooking it up. Yeah, absolutely, man. What's your favourite game to hunt, or and uh, favourite fish or seafood to eat? What do you What do you like to eat and hunt? Well, it's going to sound funny to a lot of people, but um, you know, the average pig, I suppose, the average wild pig's always been um, probably number one on my list to hunt. Um, and one of the main ways I hunt it is on foot. You know, I'm, I'm not a, I have done, and but I'm not a dog person. You know, I I have been out dogging before. I've, you know, I've, I've chased pigs around in paddocks before. But I just like to get out on foot and really hunt the animal. Um, you know, find it, track it, get out there and shoot it, or pick out a good one and shoot it and bring it back for the table. You know, um, but, but saying that, you know, there's a lot of other game meats that I, I enjoy hunting but I, you know grassroots it's down you know it's pigs it has to be pigs for me um the favorite fish well i suppose that'd be trout freshwater trout rainbow um i i'm a firm believer you don't really catch a, a trout you always hunt the trout um you know whether it be uh flicking lures in and, and you know into the small shallows or around logs and or fly fishing love my trout fishing you get right out in the back of nowhere you know, these small streams and grab some really good trout, and I love it. Yeah, what's your, you said you like hunting the pigs. What's uh, Jason's favourite, uh, you know, like rifle or calibre of choice? Oh, look, um, you know, the old the old standard uh, 223, you know, I've got a, I've got a Weatherby 223, and, and that's never let me down, you know. It's a great round uh, right up close to them, but I suppose... You know that, that's just for general game shooting and so forth. But the the pigs, you can't go past the forty five seventy. That just stops them in their tracks. <laughs> yeah, you like that one, huh? Yeah, I do, mate. I, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am. A, it's a favourite gun. It, it runs deep in the veins. That one. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, I guess what what uh, prompted you to get interested, you know, in in game cooking? I know you, you said you started up the website and Facebook and got a few likes on there now, which is good. But what what, what got interested in actually game cooking and preparing? Uh, game meat and seafood. Well, you know, from a from a young age, Dad always said to me, "Look, um, if you aren't going to eat it, don't shoot it." And I'm I'm a firm believer of it, you know. And that, I think in you know a lot of other places, other than um, you know other than Australia, if you were to uh, drop an animal on the spot and not take it home, I think you'd get your ass kicked, or you'd have somebody knocking on your door, you know, wondering why you didn't take it home. I think over in Australia, a lot of our meat a lot of our game that gets hunted, you know, sometimes it just gets left laying on the floor. And, and people tend to do it more of a, a sport than, you know, anything else. And I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to play it down, but 
I'm a firm believer that you know, just leave it, leave it running, and you can get it tomorrow. You know, it's never going to be as fresh as it's on the hoof, and um, you know, or crawling around. But uh, saying that, you know, there's feral pests. You've got to get rid of them, and you have to do it. And you know, that's fine. And and you've got to leave them laying on the ground. But you know, when it comes to harvesting meat, I'm I'm a firm believer. You know, shoot it and utilize that animal. You know, take it home, take it home, and 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 cook it for the family or the friends and and um, and that's just what got me interested, you know. I, I, I love cooking um, and I love hunting and I mix it both together. And I think it's a tradition that, you know, that we've forgotten um, as as Australians. You know, given my dad or, or his dad, you know, they survived on those sort of things. It was always, you know, an option to go out in the paddock and grab a rabbit for dinner or, you know, the back leg off a kangaroo or something and, and they'd be cooking it up, and that's their meat. You know, sometimes they didn't have... There was no other options but to go hunting and get something to eat. Yeah, that's right. They weren't, like, close to Woolworths. I was always thinking that the other day. I thought, imagine if there was, you know, something happened and there was no coals or Woolworths, how long people would last before they started chewing their own legs off sort of thing, because most of them wouldn't know how to hunt. They'd probably make fools of themselves trying to do it if they couldn't get access to, you know, the local grocery store or supermarket. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) <laughs> Mate, all right. Let's, what's your favourite types of? You, know, you said you like hunting, you know, pigs and that. But what's your favourite type of uh, game to eat? Actually, eat. What do you enjoy? Well, I can't go past kangaroo, mate. I really can't go past. It's underutilised meat, especially in Australia. Um, you know, we've got um, so much of it running around, and yeah, I think you know, as a, as a species, we just don't utilise that meat that much um, and you can do so much with it it's got so much flavour and it really is not a lot of people have you know they, they'll knock it off or, or, and cut it into a steak or something and you know they'll they'll go out and get all the, the proper permits and proper tags on their farm and everything and do all the right thing and knock it off cut it into steaks and, and then turn their nose up to when they cook it or, or they might go down the, the shop you know and buy a, a kangaroo steak out of the shop and and they'll cook it wrong and and turn their nose up to it. But oh, I love it. I reckon it's a really really nice flavoured meat. Yeah, I don't mind the odd roux. We had some steaks a couple of weeks ago. Not too bad at all. Quite tasty. There's some chilli and mm, very nice. Beautiful. <laughs> so mate, let's talk about getting the game from say the field to the freezer. Can you list some important say aspects that uh, you know should be abided by to keep the meat fresh and say spoilt free? Um, look, one of the biggest ones, and um, I suppose one of the most important, uh, is hygiene. A lot of people, you know, don't go. They go past it, and they think, "Oh, yeah, it's okay. We're out in the middle of the bush; she'll be right." Sort of attitude, and and it and it gets passed up. You know, one of the one of the most important things is, um, or cutting it up is, is field preparation, you know, like a, a field knife or a good quality knife, preferably with a gut hook um, and keeping it sharp, you know. Um, cutting your meat up, you know, and field dressing it properly. Um, you know, if you go into the effort of going shooting, you've packed everything, why not take a, a gamble and a bit of rope so you can string animal up, um, you know, and take some plastic bags to put it in. You know, I've, for the last 20 years, I've walked around with a, a heap of coal shopping bags in my backpack, and it's only really to wrap me meat in. 
you go and kill something, you, you've gone out, uh, you know, all that way, you, you've made all the preparation, and to get home and the meat's full of leaves and dirt and crap, you've just wasted all your time, you know. If you can just slow down and take that little bit of time to, to put the meat into a bag, uh, you know, keep it clean, um, you know, try and get it to a fridge as soon as you can, uh, or an esky, or, you know, get it get it broken down and cooled down, you'll find that, that that's the most important part of it. And that's the hardest job, you know, getting it from the field back to the fridge. Do you normally leave the, say, skin on, or sorry, yeah, skin on, or do you take it off, especially like, let's say it's a bit warm and that, what do you do when it's warm? Do you try and, you know, get them dressed out straight away? What, what do you normally do? Yeah, I'll try and look, if if I'm going up in the in the desert country, um, you know, maybe I'll get, be go, shooting goats or something where it's a little bit hotter or, you know, hotter climate, and we're going for a couple of days, I'll um, pre-pack some ice in the esky, uh, you know, a few frozen bottles of ice. Um, you guys maybe a cool room on, on back of the farm. Um, look, you know, so the farmer, hey, can we borrow a cool room for a night? Um, and a lot of preparation and planning. You know, if I'm just going out for a day trip, then um, what I usually do is take the skin off it out, out in the bush. And I'll, you know, if I'm um, breaking it down, I'll leave the skin on to the last minute and then, then skin it and take the skin off. Um, cut it all up, throw it in my backpack and, and walk out with it, you know, and usually it's a drive home after that and um, and straight into the fridge or in, into a cooler. Um, you know, if I'm up north, hey, say to the farmer, look, you know, we've shot a, we've shot a couple, um, we're, they're all broken down or whatever, can we use your fridge or your, your cool room and just put them in there overnight? Or um, And, you know, it goes as well, what about a bit of planning, you know, um, shoot, Shoot the smaller ones. If you're going for a few trophies, shoot the trophies on the first day and the small eaters on the second day, you know, and have a bit of thought about how, you, how your trip's going to plan out. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't do that, you know. They'll, they'll go a little bit gung-ho and, and go get a whole heap of it and think, geez, what are we going to do with it all now? Yeah, do you normally, like, dress out the whole animal, gut them, or do you just sort of, you know, depending on what situation you're in, leave the guts in and then just take the front legs, back legs, back straps, for an example, or what do you normally do? Depending on, on the situation, most of the time I hunt, I'll, I'll gut the animal out straight away. Um, I'll, I'll field dress it and cut it up into portions where it's suitable to go into an esky. Uh, or, you know, I can get it into a fridge of some sort. Um, and if I can get it home, then I'll get it home and break it down into, into smaller cuts when I get home, bag it up, uh, leave it sitting in the fridge um, just to set for a little while. That's nice. Just a, I think it tenderises the meat a little bit. You leave it set um, and cut it up into your different cuts of meat. You know, you don't always use, um, you know, you might one day think, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll bind it out into a, or, or get a four-quarter. And then the next day you think, well, I could have boned the four quarter out, you know. So you leave it in the fridge and you might stuff and roll a roast and, and tie it all up and then freeze it ready for, you know, later on down the track or a barbecue next week sort of thing. Um, oh, that's what I tend to do anyway, you know. That's just, that's just personal preference, but that's that's the better of the ways I think to do it. And, yeah, just break it. If you can break it down and get it as cool as quick as you can, then, uh, yeah, that, that's a better, better way to do it. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about, let's say we're game cooking. What utensils, if any, are required to, say, start game cooking? Do we need anything different than what we normally got in the kitchen? Mate, not really. Um, you know, I, I try and, um, 
you know, I'll, I'll try and have, you know, sharp knives. Um, the, the cooking game meats, you know, I always try and cook it the same as I would normally do a you know, normal meat down from down the butcher shop. This is normal meat, really. It's, you know, it's just got a bit of flavour and it's typical true free range. Um, you can't get any better free range than, than game meat. Uh, you're exactly right, mate. Let's talk about, you know, let's say shot placement for a second, you know. Some people, you know, when they've, they've shot, they might have to do a follow-up shot, for an example, and they've pierced the, the, you know, the stomach lining on the game or maybe the seafood when, you know, dressing it out. Does this, does this spoil the meat and can the meat be saved? Um, it does. It, you're right, it does spoil the meat. Um, you've got to, again, you, you know, you've got to really try and keep the meat clean. Um, and you can save a certain amount of meat. You know, if you if you've shot it, and uh, you know a poor shot placement, you've shot it, maybe you pierce the guts or something. Um, you know what your meat's going to taste like if you're going to eat that bit of meat. And you know, if I've got to spell it out, it's going to taste like shit. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, so, yeah, look. Um, there, there's ways to go about it too, but um, you can clean that up. Maybe the you know it's good for the dog. Um, if you can save the back half of the meat, well, you know, they're still good. It's still good quality meat. Um, you can't really do... I don't like to do much to it. You know, if you get, you're not going to eat it, so, you know, feed it to the dog. I don't like to try and save it or wash it or... It's really just hygiene, you know. And I try and highlight hygiene a fair bit. Um, you're out in the field. Um, you're, you know, you've got everything against you anyway. Um, and, and I try and keep all my meat clean, all my utensils clean, you know, have, have a bit of water on hand as well, wash your hands when you're finished. Um, if you need to wash the meat, give it a little bit of a rub down and get that hair off, get that dirt off it, uh, and, and try and put it into a bag as well, you know, a clean bag, tie it up and um, and go from there. But with, with gut shooting or, you know, with piercing the guts, you, you really need to slow down and take your time. Um, and it helps maybe to have a gut hook on the knife. Um, they're a handy little invention and uh, cost you nothing and saves you a lot of time and a lot of distress. Yeah, I noticed that one time I went out to uh, one of the New South Wales state fires and we'll ride out far west and I ended up shooting shooting one of the goats there and then geez, he must have had some nice greenery tucker that day and geez, he, he smelt, <laughs> smelt to the high heaven. Lucky I had a pretty good, I had the gambrel there so I hoisted him up and Oh, it was very difficult, and then because it was so hot, I thought, man, I've got to get this, as you said, get this cooled off pretty quickly. So I took the back legs and uh, part of the front legs, and then took the back straps as well, and just thought this was the easiest method for the time of day that we actually shot them. But yeah, they can, man, I might have to get one of those, and that might be probably one of the good inventions. Yeah, it is, mate. It is. Let's talk about. Uh, is it good to vacuum seal your game meat? I know a lot of people. Um, even these new ones they got out now actually run off, you know, the car battery and stuff like 12 volt, um, you know, to keep things fresh when out in the field or even when you get home having, uh, you know, vacuum seal them. Does that work? I know I've been using one recently and had some pretty good results. Yeah, well, I've got a lot. what I, I usually do is I let the um, meat set or relax for a while. Uh, when I get it, I'll, I'll cut it up in the field and I'll get it home first. And as, as I mentioned before, you, you know, you might get it home... And even on the way home, I'll be thinking, what can I do with this meat? You know, what kind of cuts am I going to use? What, and, and some people, okay, they might get it home and, 
and the missus says, all we could do with a few more roasts or we could do with a, you know, that was pretty popular, the sausages, let's make some more snags or uh, you might want to draw some out. That, to me, um, you know, is is a good thing, just to, just to let it relax, uh, let, let it kind of, you know, things, if there's any excess water on it or blood or whatever, you know, you don't want to be vacuum sealing it too quick and then get it home and you get it under all your vacuum seals and you really should have done something else, you know. Mm. Um, I I think the vacuum seal is a good thing and I, I use the vacuum seal on, on most of my meat uh, once I've cut it all up and a fantastic thing and I think it, it, it keeps the meat a little bit better. And, and one thing I've found recently is always put a label on your vacuum sealed meat because uh, after, you know, maybe... A couple of months in the freezer, it's bloody hard to tell if it's goat or pork or, <laughs> or whatever you're doing. You know, <laughs> uh, good stuff, well, mate. What are the what are some of the best cuts of meat off game? Say, um, like you know, back straps, legs. What are the best? What do you like? What can improve? Like get people to say try game meat. That you know, some of the meat that'll be nice. What are some of the cuts you reckon? Back back straps for sure. Back straps are the are the game. You know, if you're gonna if you're going to say what's the best part of the meat, yeah, for sure. A backstrap is nice. Hey, look, um, I'm fond of all sorts of different cuts, and I believe in uh, using the whole game, you know, the whole whole animal. Um, for instance, on birds, you know, the, the breast. A lot of I've seen people just breasting ducks before, you know, or okay, it's got a few, uh, it's got a little bit of pellet damage to the duck. Well, okay, what? Well, why not let's bone it out and, and throw it through some sausages or put it in the mincer and make duck pies out of it. Always a favourite. You know, duck and sweet corn pies, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds lovely. Of, yeah, yeah. One of the good things, um, uh, legs, you know, front legs. A, a bone front leg of any animal, bone it, uh, season it, roll it, tie it up with a bit of string, straight in the barbecue and fantastic, mate, you know. Um each and every, there's a lot of different cuts in an animal, and and I, I can't say to people too many times, you know, do your research and and find out, um, you know what you want, you know, um, think think about how you can use or what you most like, you know. There's no use having getting home and, and we've cut all the legs off the animal because that's what we're going to do. We're going to have four roasts, you know, <laughs> four roasts and a whole heap of ribs, um. You know, there's so many more cuts you can do, so so much more butchering. And, it, okay, it takes a little bit of time. Um, work it out and experiment. Try a few different things, you know. Try some new cuts. Try try and, and bone stuff out and throw it through the mincer and, and, and make something different, you know. How, how did you learn? I mean, you seem pretty experienced, like, with all the cuts. And how did you, because, I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people could be, you know, from the city and they go out and they, they want to learn this. And, yeah, I guess a rabbit is... I guess you say it's no different than doing bigger game, but even myself, when I first started, I found it a bit difficult to uh, do the bigger game. It just was overwhelming. So what do you recommend people should do? Like either just get out there and try it, even if they do, you know, sort of yeah. hack and cut at the start and just try and do their work. What do you recommend? Uh, look, um, have a look in some books, do a little bit of research. But I, I learned, personally, I learned, um, you know, with a couple of years in an abattoir as well, straight after school, um, come out of a, I was in an agricultural college, you know, so I was familiar and, and dad cutting stuff up as, you know, when we were younger, um, shooting his own cows and stuff, you know, butchering his own own beasts, but kind of learned it that way and, and it's progressed from there, you know, and, and sure, I've stuffed up a few, um, 
game making me time as well. You know, I've eaten a lot of roasts because I, I had no idea and where to go from there. But it's like everything. If you if you keep doing it and you keep researching it and you ask questions, you you become a little bit knowledgeable about it. You know. Yeah, no, um, exactly. A lot of people put the blinkers on when it comes to meat. But yet they'll go down. You know, they'll go down to the butcher shop and say, "Well, that's all I want." You know, a steak. But there's so much more at a butcher shop to eat. You know. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So let's say you know, hunters in the field. How does he tell, you know, specific animals? How does he tell if they're you know disease free? You know, make sure they're no good to eat. How do we tell that what what we're putting, you know, into our bodies is disease free? Well, this is this is a good question, mate. This is a question that I get asked all the time. Um, it's like, okay, if if the animals, if you're just chasing the animals with a dog, or you're walking up in the paddock and the animals not moving, it's just staying there. It's got to ring alarm bells, you know. Um, even condition, um, you know, this is, one of the, as I said, one of the questions that I always get asked, and it's easy to answer. Um, you know, is the animal in good condition? You've got to look at it and, and use a little bit of common sense, you know. If you're walking up on it, does it run off? Does it move well? Is it limping? You know, um, is it young? Is it alert? Uh, is it on good feed? You know, is it having a good tucker? Um, and and an obvious one is when you're cutting it up, um, check it, you know, check for any abscesses on it. Um, you know, has it got nice pink gums? Is it a healthy animal? Um, you know, is it did it is it running with a pack sort of thing? Um, and when you gut it, have a look at the liver, check out the liver on it. Um, any blemishes in the liver? Any any you know big abscesses or marks or anything like that? Keep in mind too that. Um, you're not going to get any diseases in muscle, um, very rarely anyway. You, you, if your animal's in good condition, you've pulled the guts out and you haven't spoiled anything else, um, you know, no problem at all. You, you're going to have, um, you know, nice quality kidneys in it as well. Have a look at the kidneys when you're pulling them out. Um, obvious signs, you know, um, no skin missing sort of thing or no uh, you know big wounds in the animal that uh, seeping sort of wounds and your animal's going to be good quality mate good quality good stuff mate give us say three to five things that people uh you know, people are doing wrong when they're preparing their game meat or even their fish or seafood what what are they doing wrong that when they're tasting it that they're, they're not happy with the taste what what are three things you three to five things you think people are doing wrong Rightio. Um, first one, I reckon it has to be, and this is the biggest problem, they shoot the biggest of the oldest animal and expect it to be the most tender. Um, <laughs> you know, they really, it's incredible how many people say, oh, that, oh, I shot such and such me pig last week and it tastes like shit. I say, well, give us, a, you know, what did it look like? Oh, it was huge. This thing was great. It was bigger than all the rest of them. Um yeah, so that that's got to be one of the that's got to be one of the biggest problems. Um, I'd say the the second biggest um, people cook the hell out of it. You know, they absolutely cook the shit out of it and and overcook it. Um, um, yeah, that that'd have to be the the, the second one. Um, and I'd say, well, another one would be uh, to rush into it. You know. Um, let it rest for a day or two in the fridge. You know, don't don't rush into. Okay, we just killed it today. We'll take it home. We'll barbecue it today as well. You hear a lot of boys like, oh yeah, we've, we've shot this and we'll put it straight in the camp oven that night. And we'll cook it in the camp oven. We'll 
I reckon that's got to be one of the worst things. You know, you let it rest a couple of days and give it time for that meat to relax, and and that should turn out all right. Yeah, is that important? Did it, is that important after shooting them? I and even if you know, like they haven't, you know, they've they've locked up, and that is it good to let the meat just relax for that couple of days in the either in the fridge before, even if you've cut it up and it's in the fridge, just let it relax. Does that help before freezing? Yeah, I, I think that's you know that's personal preference for me. But yeah, I think it does, mate. I really do. Do you know if the, if the animal's running around, you you don't get that quality, you know you don't you don't get it in the um, in an abattoir or you know when they kill commercially, you know they they're nice and quiet and they they make the situation a little bit relaxed for the animal and then they they kill it. Whereas if you're you're harvesting in the um, paddock, you know sometimes a animal might start running off, you know, and then you nailed it and wonder why the hell it's it's tough as boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> And I reckon number four is um, lack of research or, or knowledge. You know, yep. people will get home and they'll cut every every cut into a roast, and, and everything's going to be a roast in the animal if they just took their time and, and you know figured out, as I said, learned how to how to butcher it and just how to cut it up and how to cook a little bit better. They'll get a lot more enjoyment out of it, and I think that's one of the biggest problems. You know. Yeah, no, nah, you're 100 percent right, mate. Um, I guess let's say, give us say, you know, again, give us say three to five things again that people can do to be successful, say, when preparing their game meats and seafood. What can they do? One of, I reckon one of the biggest ones there would be um, keep it fresh. Definitely, mate. That's, uh, that is a, a real big one. Um, keep it fresh and keep it clean. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on hygiene. I really am. When it comes to field dressing, as I said before, you've got everything against you. Um, you're out in the bush, you're out in the paddock. Um, it's, it's a game meat, you know, you haven't got any sanitation out there. Um, and that's a big one for me. You know, have some bags ready, um, you know, have a gamble, a rope, hoist it up um, and, and take your time. You know, if you think you're going to, you know, the last couple of animals you've done, you've punched the guts and you've spoiled the meat. Well, this time, take your time, you know, just slow down a little bit. You, you know, you, you're probably still pretty happy you've just shot it. And you're going to put meat on the table, and if you take take your time, then um, yeah, you'll um, you'll do it right. I think the next one would be um, experiment a little bit. You know, don't be afraid to try new things. Um, smoking, drawing, uh, you know, make jerky out of it. Um, yeah. It's not that hard. You know, a lot of people don't know what to do with their meat. So, um, you know, there's some. The older, maybe the tougher, tougher bits of meat. Well, yeah, do something different to it. Um, and yeah, as I said on the third one, well, if you find the meat is tough, use use a different method of cooking. You know, maybe a slow cooking or um, bang it through the mincer and make some sausages out of it. Add a bit of, you know, say if it's a pig, add, add a bit of apple to it and wild pork and apple sausages. Beautiful, you know, you'll be the talk of the town, mate. <laughs> Can't complain, eh? That's it. <laughs> and I suppose. You know, and and the next, if if you were to throw another one in there, I suppose don't overcook it. You know, a lot of people, um, for instance, you know, a bit of kangaroo. It's a it's a typical one with kangaroo. You know, they'll throw a steak on the barbie, leave it on there for you know two hours, and pull it off, and and wonder why the the barbecue plate tastes better than the steak. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah, overcooking. But what 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 would say people do, including that one you just said, like like. 
I prefer me my meats medium rare, but a lot of people, you know, like them like an old boot or truck tie. You know, they like them well done. What can they do? Is there anything they can do to as well to make sure it tastes pretty good, even if they want their meats, you know, fully cooked, which I don't know why, but some people do. Um. Yeah. Look. Um. You know, different different people have different tastes, sure, and I, I can understand that. Um. You know, maybe add a, add something to it, add a marinade to it. Um tenderize it or as I said a different cut you know a different a different uh, way of cooking different style of cooking you know there's so many different ways to cook things um, and if it's you know cooking um, is if it if there's a problem in the meat and a suspect or, or you know you think well shit that was out of the fridge a little bit too long cook and sorts that out you know you're never going to get sick from cooking something really you know um, properly you know, it, it, undercooked food is it's probably um, you know a, a problem in in salmonella or or that sort of thing. But um, yeah, if you cook something properly, it, there's never a chance you're going to get sick because of it. Yeah, exactly. And what's the what is in the best ways they say to prepare you know game meats and, and seafoods etc. Say slow cooking, oven, you know, hot fry pans, deep fry, all of the above. What, what's your what's your go-to methods or one and all? Okay, depending on the depending on the dish, um, you know, I can't say, um, you know, there's one right way of cooking game meat. You got to depend on what you're going to do and the dish. You know, if you want to, if you want a stew, well, you'd be silly to cook the stew on the bloody barbecue. But, um, but I can't go past the barbie for cooking game meats, and and I'll give you one reason why. You usually got all your mates around, and they're all standing there with beer in hand, and you slap this bit of game meat on the barbecue. You've got bragging rights, mate. And and um, you know, they think it was steak. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, and and uh, if you do it right, and and it turns out okay, everyone's talking about it. You know, and um, just for instance, my oven broke down the other day, and I, I was cooking pretty much every meal on the barbecue for a couple of weeks, no problem at all. I even cooked some sausage rolls in the barbecue, <laughs> no dramas at all, mate. You know, and and I think game meat is. Nice cooked on the barbecue, and there's I, I haven't found a game that you can't cook on the barbecue, you know. Yeah, no, nah, sounds sounds awesome, mate. That's for sure. What about let's say somebody, you know, they're they've uh, you know they're, they're trying to add some flavour, you know, to to the dishes to try and make them taste, you know, good. So for say someone that's trying to learn to eat game meat from the start, is there any spices, condiments, you know, can you add sauces, marinades, which we were talking about before, etc. Yeah, for sure, mate. Look. Everything's got a um, everything's got a good condiment, you know. Everything, every meat has got something that complements it. Uh, look, I'll give you an example: pork, uh, apples, for instance, or uh, maybe goat. You know, you, you say to somebody, "I've got a wild goat." Next thing, they're making a curry out of it. Um, you know, um, ducks. Put a bit of orange on the duck. You know, and duck and orange, or um, yeah, that sort of thing, you know. Uh, fish, you always, you, you speak of fish, you always put a bit of lemon on your fish, you know, or, or a lemon taste to it. And I think everything has got a something that complements it, you know, and it brings out that flavour of the meat. And it's a matter of playing with it, you know. Have a, have a try, have a taste. You know, I um, had an old recipe from my grandmother. Um, she, she told me about a thing called kangaroo steamer, and I, I couldn't believe it when she told me. I was telling her about cooking game meats years and years ago, and she's gone now. But she said, "Look, um, mince up your kangaroo and put it in a pillow slip, tie it up, and and boil it in a pot of water." And I thought, 
Jesus, that sounds terrible, you know. Anyway, it was only a few years ago I did it, and oh, it was absolutely beautiful. It's an old, basically a meatloaf, but you just you, you're boiling it in a rag, and it's called a kangaroo steamer, and that's got to be one of the best dishes I've ever made. So, Jace, what sort of ingredients, mate, can people say? What do you go to in your pantry? You know, any ingredients to make game cooking easier, you know, like flours or breadcrumbs for breading, or what, what's some things that you normally have as a, as a go-to in your kitchen? Um, garlic's always a go-to for me, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of um, spicy foods. You know, I love me chilli. Yeah, um, me too. The cumin, the, <laughs> the, the curries, you know. Um, and saying that, but I don't like to kill me taste of the game meat. You know, I always love to um, and try and entice the flavour a little bit and bring out the flavours of the game meat. So it's a matter of experimenting, you know. Try and experiment as much as you can. Um, try, you know, try different flavours. Try and add add a little bit of flavour to the, you know, sausages or something. You know, throw them through the mincer and add add a bit of bit of flavour to it and uh, maybe a bit of spice and you'll find you you know you, you get used to a flavour and you really love it you know yeah yeah I was seeing that on your Facebook page a couple of years looks like you love the sausages don't you they look, look pretty tasty yeah I do I, I enjoy <laughs> it I, I enjoy that and my, my favourite's my jerky I think I just love playing around with jerky and um, you know drying meats out you, you start drying meats out and you can use them later on down the track. You know, you're out in the bush or you, you're going away camping and out come the dried meats and a few beers and you just can't go wrong. No, you're right. I've got one of me, one of my listeners, Matt. He's always uh, sending me up some uh, nice uh, jerky, mate. He, he sent me three different batches. The first one was, was all right. It was all right. <laughs> Second one was unbelievable. And he just, he just sent me a third one last Friday. I haven't had a chance to have a taste yet, but, geez, it's bloody nice, some of that jerky, that's for sure. Lovely. Well, you'll have to send me some then, I think. I think so, yeah. That's a bit of a <laughs> shout-out for Matt, so if Matt's listening, hey, excellent jerky, but he already knows I've already told him that. But, mate, give us one of your best recipes, Jace, one of your best game-cooking recipes. I'll let you choose the quarry. Give me, give me, one, of your, give me one of your go-tos. Oh, this, look, this is an easy one, mate, an easy one. Um, you've got a, a leg of wild pork. Um, so you want a spit-roast leg of wild pork, equal parts of honey, mustard and French onion soup mix. Yeah. Mix it up in a bowl, smother it over the leg, throw it in the in the barbecue on the spit, and off you go. Give it a couple of hours, all done. Really? How, how, oh, does, how does that one taste? Beautiful, mate. Absolutely beautiful. I had it at <laughs> Christmas time, and uh, I reckon they're probably going to come back next Christmas, mate. Yeah, no, I was doing some just some chicken the other day though, and had some nice honey and and garlic, and yeah, honey really sort of brings out that. I like that just that just that glazing of that honey, bloody delicious. Well, this is when you've got it on the on the roast and it and it's spinning around, and you coat that roast in this um, in in the I suppose you call it a glaze or, or a marinade, and it sets and goes crispy, and um, it makes a little bit of a crust on it. That honey, that soup mix, and and the mustard. And uh, just melts in your mouth, mate. It's beautiful. Do you normally do you, do you just rub it on, or do you, is, it, is it sort of runny, or do you marinate it in, or just rub it on and good to go? No, I just rub, um, just tip it on. It's, it'll be a little bit uh, sticky, like a paste, but it'll stick to the roast. So you can just put it over, just spin it over a little bit at a time, and, and you coat the whole roast, and then um, off you go, mate. And, and you can, you know, you probably won't use it all. Um, and as it's as it's going, just check on your meat and just give it a bit of a basting, you know.
Is that is that good for just just pork, or they can use it goat as well, Every, or everything? Even a conventional, if you got a uh, a leg of roast lamb or a leg of beef, really lovely with a, you know butter beef or something going around on the spit. Um, even a conventional, and you're just doing a roast in a pan. Fantastic, mate. Bit of that over the top, and she's lovely. All right, Jace, mate. Give us give the listeners say uh, one of your hunting stories. You know, whether you took your game from the bush to the table, or just any story in general, mate. Give the listeners one of your best ones that you've so far. Rightio. Um, look, it's got to be twenty years ago uh, this year. Well, I was in Cairns. Uh, I was on my honeymoon in Cairns and uh, going up into the rainforest on a on a train there, and we hopped out on the station and. Um, a couple of people there that uh, me and the missus have met, and I got chatting with a guy there, and uh, from Michigan. Anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, he was coming back over to Perth, and I said to him, "Look, um, if you're coming over to Perth, why don't you uh, come and stop with us? You know, because he started talking. Uh, I said to him, "Look, you must do a bit of hunting over there in America. You know, they all hunt, don't they?" And lo and behold, he was a pretty keen hunter. So we got talking about hunting, and and one of his um, one of his passions or one of his things he'd, he'd never done in his life and he had on his on his list of things to do was, um, you know, go and shoot a kangaroo. Um, I said, look, I might be able to organise that for you. So I brought him over to um, WA and he came and stopped uh, with us for a while and um, ended up shooting a kangaroo and, and he thought it was fantastic. And, and we ate that um, kangaroo, you know, the whole family, and we sat around and have a barbecue with him, and, and, and he thought it was absolutely magic, you know, and it was a bit of an introduction um, for him into, you know, I suppose Australia, and, and um, you know, just eating eating the things that I eat, you know. Anyway, uh, last year, I got a, um, well, I had a, a few frequent fly points uh, organised, so I gave him a ring, and I said, look, I wouldn't mind coming over there for a hunt, and he said, I'm more than welcome, so as it was last year, I went over um, hunting and uh, I did a, a wild goose or a Canadian goose hunt with him. Uh, I did a fellow deer hunt with him as well, and, but I missed out on the deer out of the, out of the tree stand. And um, and then we went black bear hunting and um, I ended up nailing a, uh, I think it was about 136 kilo black bear with a, a 44 Magnum. And, um, you know, it, it was just something that, that sticks in your head, um, you know, of a, a fantastic bunch of people and a and a, a culture that is just brought up around hunting. You know, we we dragged that bear out of the forest and uh, cut it up and took it home, and um, and we ate the bear. You know, put it in his freezer. And we ate that bear with his family that night, and um, or, or a couple of nights later. And you know, it, it was fantastic. The way they use their and the way they utilise their game meat is, is just phenomenal. And and I think it's something that all everyone can learn from. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate, absolutely. Sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, and and uh, got the, the bear mounted and, um, yeah, it's, um, and brought it back. And uh, But it was it was a fantastic time. And I spent three weeks over there and, and did a heap of hunting. It was great. Mate, can't complain. I've been there some, myself, so good, some awesome hunting over there. A lot different than over here and how, how it's taken on by people and, but uh, good stuff, mate. But you know what? I've got a new segment, mate. You're, you're the first person that's going to become <laughs> my new segment, mate. It's the Fast Five. Five questions in five minutes. Are you going to take the challenge? Yeah, for sure, mate. Easy, All right, good easy. stuff. Let's go. Five minutes and see how well you do. Luke Williams said, he said, one of our listeners says, what's your preferred method to cook rabbit so that it comes out tender and not, not hard as a rock that you can basically bounce it off the ground? Straight 
straight through the mincer, mate. Make patties out of it. That'll guarantee tenderness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how does that, how do they taste? Pretty good. Or? <laughs> yeah, mate. They do actually. But look, like if it, if there's a problem with it, um, put it in a marinade, um, and it's a game, mate. End of the day, cook it quick. Yep. All right. Good stuff. Paul Ingram, he says, mate, a good wild duck recipe. He says, nothing too fancy where you need to be a chef to, to cook it. So just something basic to get a nice wild duck, nice, nice wild duck cooked. Look, I'm sure I've sent you this um, wild duck recipe some time ago, mate. I think you and did. Cut the, cut the breasts out, roll them in a little bit of flour. I think I had a bit of cinnamon in there as well. Uh, egg and bread crumb them, um, put them on some sardine sticks or put them on some wooden skewers and quick pan fry and uh, a little bit of sardine sauce over the top, mate, with a, a crumble of cashew nuts as well, just to top it off. Serve it on a, uh, on a bed of salad, mate. Beautiful. All right, mate, that looks like a fantastic recipe. I do remember when you sent me that one. All right, next one, Trent Jacobs. He says, how long after harvest do you age meat before cooking it for best results? Look, I like to leave it in a couple of days in the fridge just to set, just to get all those muscles relaxing and... Um, yeah, yeah, just a couple of days. I wouldn't leave it any longer than that. Um, although it is fresh meat and it can be left longer, um, that's typically what I do anyway. And then I'll, I'll uh, vacuum pack it or cry back it. Good stuff, mate. All right, Stuart Jones, he says his ducks go a little bit dry and tough when he cooks them. How does he prevent this? Okay, add some moisture to it. And a really good one for this, um, cut some orange slices over it and, and put it over the top of the duck if you're going to roast it or splay the bird out, as in cut the backbone out, lay it flat, and cook it that way, but add some moisture to it. Um, you know, bit of bit of marinade on it. Marinate it and add some juice to it, and don't overcook it. One of the biggest problems with duck, people just cook the hell out of it and forget it's a game meat. Um, and that's one, yeah, that's one of the easiest ways to do it, but lay a little bit of orange, slice some orange up, it'll, even a bit of lemon, that's cool. And lay it over the top. Introduce that citrus to it. Beautiful. Mm, all right, James Tyler, last one, mate. He wants to know what's a good dish for say to, asked, to utilise his deer. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I've been asked this a couple of times actually, and, and funny you said deer. Um, don't get many of them over in Western Australia, but I have experienced a bit of deer myself over in the states and and a little bit over here. Uh, a good one for it. Um, can't go past, or I can't anyway, a, a venison parmigiana, mate, or a deer parmigiana. Smack the hell out of it, flatten it out. Egg and breadcrumb, bit of tomatoes over the top of it, maybe a, a, like a, an Italian tomato sauce sort of thing. Cheese on top, straight under the grill. Beautiful. And uh, another good one for that is venison snails. Um, mix up, Yeah, mix up a, maybe a breadcrumb with some spices in the breadcrumb. Uh, a little bit of water, or maybe a seasoning, like a, a seasoning mix. Mix that up into a, a bit of a paste, and lay it on your deer steak, and then roll it up. Roll your roll your venison steaks up, and put a toothpick in it. And um, when you roll them up, they'll turn out. They'll look a little bit like a snail. And and also on the web page, and um, they were fantastic, mate. They were beautiful. All right, mate. That sounds awesome, Jay. Mate, four minutes, twenty-one seconds, mate. You. You've completed the new our new segment, the uh, five questions in under five minutes, in four minutes and twenty one seconds. You're you're a winner. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jay. No, I appreciate. It. All right, mate. To finish off, just uh, let people people want to check you out. Say Facebook. You know, I know if you've got Twitter or your website or your email. How can they go about it? And where can they go to? Look, um, 
jump onto my Facebook page, Hunt, Catch, Cook. Um, give it a like. Um, if you want to send me a message or any questions, I'm free to answer any tips or, uh, look, any questions. By all means, share some recipes or upload some photos with me. Um, I love seeing other people's creations, you know. It gives me inspiration, and it's fantastic. I love that sort of thing. Or on the webpage, uh, Hunt, Catch, Cook, on the... and for any recipes you like. Uh, I think the last count I had about 80-something 80, 80 recipes on there, about 85 I think it is. Um, and I'm always updating it. You know, I'm always putting new recipes on there. Um, I'm always uh, cooking some new meats. You know, I've, um, I've cooked alpaca on there. I've cooked horse. Um, you know, I'm always looking at, for new meats and, and new things to hunt and, um, and new game meats to cook, uh, new fish to catch. So... Uh, by all means, have a look on it. Uh, leave me some, you know, if if you want to know something, um, find me an email. More than happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Yep. One final thing, I was going to ask you one question. How do the how do the family, how do your family and kids, they eat the game meat too? How do they enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. Well, the kids will try it. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, the kids the kids like it, but like all all young kids, they're you know a bit skeptical of dad. You know, bringing home something and, and, and cooking it up. They're, they're used to mum cooking more than they are, Dad. Um, <laughs> but I love me cooking. Don't worry about that. Um, and the missus, yeah, she'll give it a go. Um, she's not too keen on some things. She she said, no, some things aren't, you know, she doesn't like. But um, most of it, yeah, she'll have a crack for sure. Good stuff, mate. I appreciate you coming onto the show to chat with us about... Uh Mate, game cooking, how to do it right, what not to do, what we're going to need, and how to prepare them. And uh, you, you're part of the new segment, and you, and you pass with flying colours in four minutes twenty-one. So you should be proud, mate. So thanks for uh, coming on the show, man, to chat to us and, and to my listeners, and to give them give them the information on game cooking. And I know a lot of people you know, aren't too sure about it, especially introducing it to their family and friends, and you know just how to cook it right. It has you know put a lot of some people off. So this might give him a bit of confidence to get back in there and, and definitely give it a go. And just I'll tell you what that dear, dear schnitzel you had there or whatever sent a bloody delicious. That's I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure, mate. Look, if I've you know, if I've inspired just somebody to um, you know, utilize the meat or, or utilize um, you know, the game that they've caught, then I've I've succeeded, I think anyway, you know. I think we're all going for a common goal these days and um you know especially in australia if we can highlight hunting a little bit better than what it is um it, it's a win for everyone you know um and and game meets the new it, it's the new trend these days um you know it's the organic it's uh uh free range you know and it's no more free range it's the best free range you can't get any better than that and with all these hunting segments and and uh uh, hunting things on TV these days or, or cooking shows on TV these days, you know, wanted to introduce a bit of hunting to it. Perfect, mate. Thanks for coming, coming on the show and sharing your thoughts on game cooking in Australia. Appreciate it. For sure, Jase. Thanks very much for having us. It's been great. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.